No? Come on, some of y'all used to be that bad back in the day. You remember? Look, y'all want to see how strong I am? This one pressure, Billy. Some of y'all aren't impressed. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just having fun. You know, it's okay for those of you that don't normally attend a church like this. It is okay to have fun in church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we should be the happiest people on the planet. Is this true? Yeah. You ever been to, I won't, I won't say, you ever been to a church service and you're like, my Lord, these people are depressed. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wonder what they're so sad about. Okay. All right, I want to It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. You're here, you're in the house of God. The devil, he just hates it whenever we come to church. He hates the assembling of the believers together. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to see each one of you here. Welcome. If you're watching on live stream, I know we got a lot of families that aren't feeling well. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure we got plenty of them on there. We're praying for all of you. Can't wait to see you back. So uh, today I want to talk about something. Uh, I was going to like do a little Facebook thing and, and put the title of my message out. And then I was like, man, I may get like, I may get rolled over before Sunday even gets here. The title of my message today is the most important election in history. Most important election in history. So uh, it's not the one that maybe you're thinking of, right? Now I do realize that the young people are in here today, everybody. Y'all give EFJ a hand clap. They're in the house. We love EFJ Sundays. EFJ, so all the parents are like, you know, will you please be mindful that my child is in here? I will. Awesome. Uh, so I, I don't know if anybody has heard. I thought maybe y'all could hear today that, that there, there is an election taking place on Tuesday. Has anybody heard? Anybody? What? And I what y'all, some of y'all thinking right now, like, man, I come, I come to church to get away from this stuff, man. Yeah. And, and so anyways, we're, we're just going to have fun today. Americans will choose who will become the next president of our nation. While I understand and appreciate that this election may well be the most important and critical in our nation's history, I just wanted to suggest today that it's not the most critical and the most important one in history. Can, 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 can we go this morning? Y'all lean in a little bit and just help me. All right, Sheila's with me. Bridget's with me. All right, we're good. All right. So, so I just, just want to just suggest that may, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm not taking away from what's going to happen on Tuesday, but I just, I just want to suggest that, that this may not be the most important election in history. On, tu- choose, on, on Tuesday, uh, we'll choose who will represent our nation. And some would say that it's the most powerful nation in the world. The United States of America, right? Any Americans in the house? Like nowadays, it's like, I don't know, am I or not? Yeah, Americans, it's okay. We're here. We're all here. But another suggestion that I would like today is that America, or any nation in this world that we would call a nation, is is not the most powerful nation in the world. The most powerful nation in the world is the holy nation of God. And the most important election in history was when God chose those who would represent that nation. Somebody say holy nation. 
See, because I love the holy nation because the holy nation resides within every nation. Right? This, this, is, this, this is, I love God's plan to cover the earth with his glory. That every man would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He places the holy nation within every nation. And, and you know, I, I, I've, I really, I've, I've talked to several people and, and I've been receiving feedback from, from lots of people. And some of the feedback is good you know, about our church and some of the decisions that we've made and, and the way we're handling the political climate. And some of it's really not good. A lot of people disappointed and upset. And, and, uh, and, and so, because, you know, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you are not a Christian, then what happens on Tuesday is the only hope you have. See, I want to introduce the religion of politics. It's a church, man. If all I have on Tuesday is, 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 is who wins, because somebody's going to win. If my guy doesn't win, only two horses to choose from here, people. If my guy doesn't win then I have no other choice but to put on sackcloth and ashes, pull out my hair, and go break into somebody's business and destroy it. Why? Because I am now hopeless. Because the only thing that I had to depend on didn't turn out for me. It's a religion, man. It's church. It's got its own Bible. Right? You ever t- it's, it's got its own Bible. You can turn to Fox News, first Fox News uh, 2, 3, and you can find out what you need to know about your religion there. Right? You can turn into second CNN. Y'all having fun today? Right? They've just added a new, recently in our history, they've added a new uh, 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 testament to their Bible. It's called social media. Are y'all with me today? Y'all ain't even. Kaylee, you here in the house. Right? It's got its very own gospel. And it says, my guy's got to win in order for me to have any hope that my life can turn out okay. But there's a government that's greater than the government of our nation. I just love this. You see, if, if, if what happens on Tuesday is where all your hope rests, then, then, then you are very distressed, right? A lot of anxiety going on. But if you know that there's a gov- government that's greater than our government, then, then you, you have a sense of peace. That no matter what happens on Tuesday, it didn't happen without God's permission. You think God's up there like, Jesus, please, oh God, I hope, hope this goes the way, because everybody says they know the way that God would vote, right? Everybody's got the answer. He's up there like, oh God, please let him, let, let it happen the way I, I need it to happen in order for me to be God. No, he'll still be on the throne. Amen. He, he, he will still be totally and completely in charge on Wednesday. He'll still be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on Wednesday. Listen to me. 
You don't have to break any windows, burn any cars. You don't have to do any of that. You can just turn to Jesus and say, Father, I still trust you today. I love Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. It says, for unto us, for those of you that think that this is the most powerful nation in the world, the United States of America. I just, I just want to remind you today, as a Christian, as the holy nation of God. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to tell you something. You you know where the American government is? It's, it's, it's not lording over God, keeping him from doing what he wants to do. It's resting right here. He's like, oh, the Americans, okay. Oh, there, there they are. Because, see, he didn't just carry the burden of individuals. He carried the burden of nations. You see, when we say the cross has the final word, we actually mean the cross has the final word. That's in my life. That's in China, in Russia. In Amer- the cross of Jesus will have the final word. And I want you to know something. One day, every single one of these nations will burn. It's going to burn. America's going to burn. China's going to burn. Russia's going to burn. And I want to tell you something. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Well we, well, we will rule and reign in righteousness. See, we, we have got to know what the word of God says, Christians. Holy nation of God. We've got to know what our book says because I'm, I'm just like you. Or maybe you're not. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm sitting here wringing my hands and, and sweating and distressed and, and, and feeling anxiety and hopelessness. And, and God saying, Colby, I've never not been in control. All these governments that everybody's so worried, they're... and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There's only one government that makes it. It's the government of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Say, that's me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Mm. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A holy nation. I love what Peter does here. If you study, if you study Peter, you find out that Peter is writing to these churches that have been persecuted. The Christians have been scattered. They're they're the minority. They're not the majority. And look what Peter calls him. He says, I know that y'all are scattered and and you're getting ate up by lions and and, and you're getting persecuted and crucified and burned. I I realize that that's happening right now. But I want to tell you something. Don't forget that you are the holy nation of God. He calls them a nation. They're a nation within a nation. The holy nation of God. And I'm standing in a room with part of the holy nation of God. Of God, I love, I love what Second uh, Peter one ten. Don't you love it? I love what every verse says. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what this verse says. 
Because when the word of God is, 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 is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword in your life, you're like, my God, I can't believe. Billy, I can't believe it's in here. There's hope in here. There's love in here. There's joy in here. Uh, there's answers. I can't believe it. Aaron, I can't believe it. So then you read it and you're like, I love this verse. And then you get to the next one and you're like, I love this verse. You love the word of God? I've been looking at my screen time lately. You look at your screen time. I was down 5% this week to three and a half hours a day. That's the preacher. Screen time. How much time I... Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord. Hey, I just... And I don't want to sound cheesy. I know it sounds so cliche, but I'm just like... I wonder, I wonder where my Bible time is. Y'all with me? I don't want to be cheesy. I know that that's so cheesy. Right? I realize the cheese factor in that. But I'm just like, man, I got three and a half hours staring at that stupid phone. How much, how much screen time you got here? I'll tell you, we're going to be hopeless if we got more screen time on the iPhone than we do on the, in our Word. This is hope. Second Peter 1.10. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And I just want to point out there, you say, well, how can I never stumble? You go read a few verses up in Peter, and he tells you the things that you can add to your faith to ensure that your foundation will be firm. But I just wanted to, for you to realize through this verse, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call an election sure. You are an elected official of heaven. Did you know it? You are an elected official of heaven. I love the way it says in the Message Bible, 2 Peter 1.10, says, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing. I love it. Confirm. Because an election is simply when you find out the will of the people for who they would like. It is an invitation. Whoever wins Tuesday, it will be an invitation to that person to represent the United States of America. Whether they say yes or not will be up to them. It's an invitation. I love this. God says, I have elected you. I have chosen you. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I have chosen you this invitation, this election. I have elected you an official of heaven. Will you receive your invitation? Because that, my friends, I believe is the most important election in history. The one that God has called each one of us to. The most important election in history is actually recorded. Did you know that? You know, it's actually recorded in the Bible. It's in a couple of places. Isaiah, the prophet, he actually got to get in on this conversation where the election was happening. He actually got to hear it in Isaiah chapter 6. You go read it. He got to hear, Isaiah got to hear the election happening in the eternal when it said that they, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, who will go for us? Who will go for us? He got to hear, he, he, got to, he got to be there on election day. He got to, to have a window into heaven. Who will 
go for us. And in Isaiah, he realizes the invitation is to him. And he says, here am I, Lord, send me. And I wonder how many of us would say, Lord, we are here. We're at the Remnant Church in LaGrange, Texas. Send us. It's actually recorded in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, the first election. The most important one in history. Rachel, Rachel says, you know, I get in trouble sometimes because, you know, when, when, when you preach, you, you get in trouble and, and you say, man, this, this is the most important verse in the Bible, right? Do, you just you get all passionate, right? And so this is one of my passionate, the most important election in history. Ephesians 1, 4. Here it is. Here's when it happened. It's out of the Amplified Bible. It says, even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own. In Christ, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. That was it. First election right there. It happened. This is the first election. We watched Hamilton, the musical, the other night. It was fantastic. But we watched, watched, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And you find out, you see the first, you see that all that back at the beginning of American history when the, you know, the the first elections were taking place and the the way they did is really cool. But this, this this is a glimpse into the Father in eternity with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and they're having a conversation. They're having this conversation and, and they're saying, who, who, who do we send? Who, who, who will represent the holy nation that we are building in the earth? And so I, I want to look at Ephesians 1, 4 and I want to talk about what do we know? There's a few things that we know about the most important election in history and it's going to give you peace on Tuesday. Any of y'all ever feel, already feel better about Tuesday? Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Let me tell you what it'll be. It'll be that the day that the Lord has made and we will be able to rejoice and be glad in it. All right. Every day is his day. So, so what do we know? What do we know about the most important election in history out of Ephesians chapter one, verse four? So, so we know who did he choose? Who did he choose? That's right. He chose us to represent the holy nation of God. They wrote, come on, they're trying to, they wrote our name on the ballot. Isn't that good? You don't have to write your own name in. And I love people that are, are writing in Jesus, 20, Jesus, right? And, we, and you don't have to write him in. He's already in charge, but that's cool. If you can't decide who to vote in, write in Jesus, right? And, and so he chose us to represent the holy nation of God. They wrote our names on the ballot. Listen to what it says, Ephesians 1, 4. Even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own. God chose us. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus told his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. See, there's some confusion in that sometimes. Sometimes we're like, oh, we need to choose Jesus. No, no, no. We need to respond to the invitation that is sitting in our mailbox. Every single human being on this planet has the invitation on the refrigerator. They just need to RSVP. That's all you got to do. Are you going or not? 
You say, well, no, there's no way. He chose us, picked us out for himself. Where are y'all? Some of y'all are like me. Listen to me. When I was younger, I was a four by four. I was four feet tall, four feet wide. Had a good personality that got me a little ways. But when it came to like third grade kickball on the playground, how many of y'all know I wasn't the first one picked? Why? They, they, weren't, they were looking for somebody that could run the first faster than the ball that could get there. But no, that wasn't me. So sometimes I didn't get picked first. I was so glad when I became a, a Christian and I found out when God was picking his team, he said, I want Kobe. Yeah. I want Kobe, 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 Kobe. I want Billy, Billy, get on my team. Right? And, and, and I, know, I, I know what some of y'all are, are thinking. You're, you're thinking, the, 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 even me? Even, did God even pick me? And I want to tell you, yes, even you. And I love the way uh, Amari said this in an announcement video last week, and, and it just captured my, my, my heart and my attention. And, and listen, play that video up there. I love this. I lo- Even me? So I know what some of y'all are thinking. Terry, Terry, I know when you hear me, you say, God chose me. I know what you're thinking. Terry, I know what you're thinking. God chose me. I know what you're thinking. Even me? Yes, even you. I love that. Gracie, I, I, I know what you're thinking. Even me? Yes, even you. Rhonda, I know exactly what you're thinking. Even me? Yes, even you. Where y'all at? Rose, it is not even a question what you're thinking. Even me? Yes, Rose, even you. Billy, I know that you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Even me? Yeah, Billy, even you. Even you. Come on, get, I love that. I, I love that. Even me? Yes, even you. Even me? Yes, even you. Even me? Yes, even you. Even yes, me? Even you. Even me? All right, stop it, stop it. Even- yes! He picked you. He picked you out for himself. This is insane. You're just like, well, what qualifies me to be his representative in the earth? I think it's a great question. We're going to talk about some of that. But we know who did he choose? He chose us. He chose us to be his representatives in the earth. You say, Colby, this is really elementary and foundational. I'm not so sure that it is. Because I'm telling you, just that revelation right there, if we walked like that was actually true, there would be some radical impact in and around our lives. He chose us. Second thing we need to know about the most important election in history is when did it take place? This is so key. This is so key. When did it take place? Ephesians 1, 4 says it took place before the foundations of the earth. My God. It didn't take place in the 70s or the 60s or the 50s, the 80s. Listen to me, 1981, it was the year of the Lord. That's not when it took place. That's when I was born. It was a great year. Bruce, it was the best year. I'm telling you, God loves me so much. He loves each one of us. Took place before the foundation of the earth and it's so significant that we understand this little Fact of information. Because I love it. You know why? You know why I love this? 
Because God picked me without anybody else's permission. He, he didn't need your permission to pick me. He doesn't need our parents' permission. He, he's not looking for the world's permission. He's not looking for our government's permission. He's not, he's not, he's not looking for, for in, he's, listen, he's not looking for your pastor's permission. He's not looking for anybody's permission. How do you know? Because he picked you before anybody ever existed. This is important to know in our faith. Before anyone ever had a chance to approve or reject us, they chose us. I love it. He says, let us make man in our image. The Godhead, is, is they're, they're there and they're just, they just want to make their beloved creation. Before anyone had a chance to reject us, they chose us. And that's so important to know because one of the biggest threats to your election is rejection. One of the biggest threats to your election is rejection. Rejection's crazy. It is. It, it, it clogs up the system. It stops us from doing and being who God has called us to be. Rejection, rejection, I've been learning about rejection recently, and, and, and it's so significant that the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.4 that, that, that God chose us before the foundations of the earth because that means he chose us before anybody ever had a chance to reject us. Because rejection is what's keeping some of us from our election. It's keeping us from representing the holy nation of God in the earth. Because we don't think we're worth the ground that we're walking on. Christians walking around like they have no value. Because some human being convinced them that they didn't have any value. But no human being has the right to determine your value because your value was determined before the foundations of the earth. Nobody can change it. Nobody can stop it. You say, but Colby, my mistakes, man, I have screwed this thing up. No, 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 no. Your mistakes can't change it. Your mistakes, listen to me, nothing can defile you what the Father has said is worth something. Nothing. Nothing. So it's not people, it's not mistakes. Listen, rejection, what I'm learning about rejection, rejection is, is the absence of meaningful love. That's what rejection is. When meaningful love is not there, rejection takes place. Now, now that's crazy to me. My mind was blown whenever I learned this because, because I thought that the rejection was the absence of love, right? And it is. That's like overt rejection. This is so important that we're learning this from Ephesians 1.4. Rejection, the absence, is, it's not the absence of love. Like if you, if, man, I never had a father. Rejection, right? That is like, I never had a father to love me. There was an absence of love. That's rejection. There's, there's these overt ways to re be rejected. Somebody tells us, I don't love you. That is overt rejection. Somebody leaves, somebody that was supposed to be there for us made a choice to not be there for us. Rejection, those overt rejection. But then, then when, you, when you break it down to rejection is the absence of meaningful love. It's not just the absence of love. It's the absence of meaningful love. And see, this is where it gets crazy. And this is where we have to know who we are and that God has chosen us and picked us out before the foundations of the earth because, because, because see, we get all jacked up in rejection and it will keep us from our election. 
And so what, what happens is, you know, Terry, if Terry grew up, I'm going to walk down these steps. You got to tell a live stream. Y'all wave at the live stream. All right. So, uh, you know, if, if Terry grew up and Terry's father thought he loved him because Terry's dad, I don't know this, I'm, I'm just using this as an example. Terry always sits on the front row, so he's always the illustration. If Terry's dad thought he loved Terry because Terry's dad worked 90 hours a week. 90 hours a week for Terry. Terry never went without. He always had shirt on his back, shoes on his feet. Education was paid for. But remember what, so, so, so Terry's dad says, I love Terry. I provided for him. But if Terry doesn't spell love, shirt on my back, shoes on my feet. Terry spelled love, time, T-I-M-E. So even though he had shirt on his back and shoes on his feet, Terry grows up with this rejection in his life because there wasn't, there, there wasn't an absence of love. His father loved him and worked for him. There was an absence of meaningful love. And meaningful love is not determined by the one giving it. It's always determined by the one receiving it. Meaning you can't decide if you rejected me or not. Only I can. Rejection is perceived by the person being rejected. So, so Gracie may look at me and, and, and have these issues with me. And, and, and I, but I may go, what are you talking about? What you t- I never, I loved you. I cared for you. I loved her and cared for her the way that I wanted to be loved and cared for. Because see, if you step back into Terry's history and learn about his father, Terry's father grew up without. He didn't have a shirt on his back and he didn't have shoes on his feet. And so his idea of love was providing. Because he's giving Terry what he didn't have. Is this insane? So what happens in this cycle of rejection? If we do not learn, there's only one way out of rejection. There is only one. What happens in this cycle is we keep giving the next generation what we wanted. But it might not be what they wanted. This is why you can grow up in a house with five kids and four kids think that everything was great. But one kid doesn't because he didn't get what he perceived as meaningful love. And if meaningful love to you is time, then you don't care about 90 hours a week. And if meaningful love for you is stuff on your back, then you you think you were the most loved child in the world. But this rejection, this cycle takes place. Do Do you see how you get stuck in it? Because we keep giving our children what we wanted. But it's not what they perceived as meaningful love. And so there's this sickness that perpetuates from generation to generation. This is blowing my mind. I don't know if it's blowing y'all's mind. This is why it's so important when you read Ephesians 1.4. And you find out, because listen to me, all of us have some form of rejection. I'm telling you, this is one of the key things that the enemy uses to keep us from being God's representatives in the earth. We think that we, listen to me, we are so empty and we have so many holes of the places in our lives that we wanted to be loved, but we weren't. And so the only way to be set free from rejection 
in your life is to fully realize that there has never been a day in your life that you were not completely wanted by our Heavenly Father. No matter who didn't want you, no matter, listen to me, whether you perceived that, that meaningful love happened in your life or not, the only way out of rejection, the only way, the only way to break the cycle, the only way is to know that there has never, I want you to listen to me and look at me, there has never been a day in your life that you were not totally and completely wanted. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. There has never been a day in your life that you were not totally and completely wanted. And I'm telling you, whenever we start loving people, instead of out of the lack of the love that we didn't receive, we start loving people out of the abundance of the love we have received from the Father. The cycle is broken. Thank you. One clap. It's okay. That's okay. We can't forgive each other. We can't move on. We can't move forward until we have gone to the Father and we sit there and we're like, my God, I was there before the foundations of the earth when the Father was choosing who he wanted to pick, who he wanted on his team. And it's me. It's me. This is, this is insane. He chose me, picked me out before the foundation of the earth. We may not have won the popular vote, but heaven has an electoral college. It's got three votes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they all unanimously decided on you, on me. It's the holy nation of God, right? You, you, I didn't win the popular vote. We were talking about me as a child. Uh, was it last night, Rachel, or this morning? We were talking about, listen, I was like, I got to be careful because there's young people in here. I was a little, I was a turd. Quentin, turd. Is that okay? Is that a good word for EFJ? I'm not sure. Maybe we're going to get in trouble. No, John says no, don't. I was, listen to me. I was the kid where parents would call my parents and be like, we don't, we don't think it's good for Colby to come play with little Johnny anymore. We think, we think you just need to keep Colby down at your house. Right? My brother was the same way, y'all. He's he's worse than me. So so <clears throat> listen, it's so good to know when this election took place. It's so good. Because it happened before we ever succeeded or failed. Listen to me. So so, so that tells me I, I'm gonna have to that, that tells me that my past does not qualify me to be a representative of the holy nation of God. It didn't. My, all the good choices I've made, all the bad choices I've made, they, they don't qualify me. And if my, ma- if my past does not qualify me, then it cannot disqualify me. Listen to me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back before all the insanity. I'm going, I'm going all the way back to the beginning where the Father says, I qualify you to partake in the inheritance of the saints, Colby. I qual- if my past doesn't, dis- if it doesn't qualify me to be God's, then it can't disqualify me. He chose me. He wants me. He wants you. 
it's not based on our performance. It's, it's just so good. When, when you finally be like, man, God's wanted me since before the foundations of the earth. And here I am trying to do a song and dance for him. Like he's worried about if, if listen to me, I love that Kristen said it today. Listen to me, you don't, you don't have to check any boxes for God. He's not stressing out if you come or don't come. Listen to me, he doesn't want a religious act. He wants an actual living, viable relationship with his sons, with his daughters, with his family. That's what he wants. We don't have to check boxes for God. This isn't based on our performance because it happened before we ever had a chance to perform. Listen to me, before I had ever done one cool thing for God, he picked me. Before I had ever spit in his face, he picked me. The performance is over, y'all. This is why it stirs up religion so bad. Listen to me, religion is just as bad as anything else. The demon of religion. Like I'm fixing to perform to earn God's love and please God. It happened before we ever had a chance to perform. So our performance means nothing. Our willingness to come to him and submit to him and yield to his working in our lives means everything. So it's not based on our performance. It says in the scripture, in Ephesians 1, 4, it says whose performance it was based on. It, was, it says he picked us out. Listen, don't, don't, don't miss this little, this little detail. He picked us out for himself as his own in Christ. Where? In Christ. in Christ. So if it's not based on my performance, God's saying, Colby, this isn't going to be based on your performance. It's going to be based on Jesus' performance. You'll be valuable because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do. You'll be an asset because of what Jesus did, not because of what you do or don't do. I'm in Christ. It's so significant that it says that. I just don't want to preach too long today. But I'm having fun. I love the gospel. I love the good news of Jesus. I love it. All the people without kids are clapping. All the people with kids are like... I see, I have two groups of people. I got it. Just don't, don't let the divide come in the church. Okay, so, so it, it's, it's really, I just, I just, I just, I, I taught this uh, a while back and, and it, I, it really meant a lot to me, but the significance of us being in Christ, it's so powerful because, because we love this because uh, Romans eight twenty nine it says that God wanted sons and daughters. He wanted a family, right? He, he wanted a family, a great big family. And so, so he, he, he got one, he, he, he got, and he put us all in Jesus so that we could be his family. But you know, it's hard to understand that. Like, oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like God wanted sons and daughters. So how do I be a professional son and daughter? Well, that, that's hard to understand. So, so we're going to, if we just take a second and pretend I'll speak a language that's better for me. Like what if God wanted a professional basketball player? What if God said, I want a whole nation of professional basketball players. And I want them patterned after the very best basketball player. Don't, I'm not trying to start arguments in here. Listen to me. If, if, if you say LeBron, there's the door, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, I don't even know how to play basketball, and I got enough sense to know that Jordan was the greatest ever, right? Once again, nobody ever wanted me on their basketball team, ever. And so... If God wanted a whole nation, a holy nation of basketball players, 
he said, I, would, I'm, I want him to be patterned after the very best basketball player, Michael Jordan. And so, so what he would do is he would say, okay, what I could do is give him this book and it'll have all of Michael Jordan's tips and secrets, training routine, diet. It'll have everything that Michael Jordan does to be the greatest. He says, what I'm doing, see, I want Colby to be a basketball player. I want him to be a basketball player patterned after the best basketball player that ever lived, Michael Jordan. I'm gonna give Colby Michael Jordan's playbooks, his notes. I'm gonna give Colby, I'm gonna give Colby everything that Jordan ever had access to, the training facilities. I'm gonna give him the, um, the, the best coaches. I'm gonna give him everything. And Colby is gonna try and be like Michael Jordan. Right in the 80s, we all wanted to be like Mike right? And see, now I get it. Now I understand. I'm like, okay, so now I've got to start training and I've got to start learning my dribbles, right? I'm going to start dribbling. I'm going to work on my shot. I'm going to work on my shot. I'm going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours working on my shot. And I'm now, do we all agree that I could get better than I am now? But how many would agree that I don't care how much Colby Hill practices, has access to the notes? Listen to me. I can sit down and talk to Jordan himself. I watched the documentary and I went out and still stunk at basketball. We can all agree that I might get better, but I will not be Jordan. That's what the law was. God said, I want sons and I want them to be patterned after the firstborn son, Jesus Christ. So here, I'll give him the rule book. And we got better, but we failed miserably. Just as bad as I would fail at trying to be like Mike. But what if it was God's plan to have a nation of basketball players? And he said, you know what I'm going to do with Colby? I've seen that no matter how much he practices, he still stinks at basketball. You know what I'm going to do with him, Quentin? I'm going to take Colby, and I'm actually going to put him inside of Michael Jordan. And now, every time Mike takes a shot, Colby takes a shot. This is why it's so important that we're in Christ. Every single time Mike wins a game, Colby wins a game. Every single time Mike does something cool, Colby does something cool. Every single time he leaps from the three fro, three fro, three fro, free throw line with his tongue out. Colby is soaring through the air with him. Why? Because where's, listen to me, does this seem like a way more effective way for me to be a great basketball player? This was God's method and his plan with sons and daughters. So he gave us a book, a rule book, a how to be better. And we did get better, but we failed miserably. And he said, but how about I place them inside of Jesus? And that way, when Jesus is, walks a sinless life, they have a sinless life. That way, when Jesus dies, they die. That way, when Jesus is buried, they're buried. That way, when Jesus rises again in victory, they rise again in victory. 
That way when Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, they too are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I love it. The Bible even says when he comes back, we're coming with him. When he rules and reigns, we rule and reign. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to be like Jesus. I'm in Jesus and everything that Jesus was is what I am because I have been patterned after the firstborn. God wants children. He wants sons. This all happened before the foundations of the earth. He hid you in Christ. You were never supposed to try to do this on your own. You were never supposed to to go out there and try to do good all by yourself. And and all of us tried and all of us failed miserably. My, 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 My plea, my plea to the holy nation of God is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Listen to me. I love this. This this church started with a bumper sticker that said LaGrange is coming to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. LaGrange is still coming to Jesus. How many of y'all have come to Jesus? Got a whole now. It's the holy nation in LaGrange right here. Come to Jesus. He's got such an awesome plan. Why did he choose us? It's good to find out why he chose us, and I'll say this quickly. He picked us out for himself. Not for what we could do for him, but who we would be to him. His sons and his daughters. He wants a great big family. And he wants us to keep inviting people to be a part of his great big family. I love it. Somebody passed me a note just before I came up to preach, and they said someone received Jesus at the prayer altar line. Today, today, family getting bigger, family getting bigger, you know, Corona can't stop the family of God of the increase of his government. There shall be no end. The election won't stop the family of God. He chose us for himself. So what position do we hold? What's my, what's my place in the cabinet of, of, of heaven? Son and daughter. If you get specific, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors of Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador has zero identity within themselves. The only thing they do is represent the king. You ask an ambassador, how do you feel about that situation? He says, it doesn't really matter how I feel about it. I've only come to tell you how the king feels about it. This is our position. Sons, daughters, ambassadors, representatives of God in the holy nation of God to represent him in the earth. He chose us for himself, not not, not for what we could do for him, but who we would be to him. I just want to say this last sentence and I'll finish. Activity is determined by identity because this is where we get confused in the church. Identity is not determined by activity. Who I am to him is what makes me valuable, not what I can do for him. Activity is determined by, because if you're not careful, you're like, okay, well, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to come be a son. I'm a son and a daughter. Hallelujah. I'm going to sit here and they're, oh, they need children's church workers. They short on children's church workers. That's all right. I don't have to do that because my, 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 my identity is not determined by my activity. I'm just going to sit here and keep my seat warm. That's not what I'm talking about. When we realize that we're his, when we realize who we are in Christ, the outflow of that is what he wants us to do in the body of Christ. 
So, so you can really tell when somebody has a real revelation of who they are in Christ because their activity will be birthed through their identity. Activity is the outflow of a proper understanding of our identity. We're sons and daughters. And when we realize that, there's going to be something that comes through our lives that makes an impact. When Christians begin to understand their significance, the significance of their election, when they understand that they're God's chosen representatives of the holy nation, then we can take our place in the nations of the earth and boldly declare, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've got no guarantees about our, 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 our future freedoms and liberties that the government will give or won't give. But since they never gave them to begin with, it's really not something that they can take away. The Apostle Paul said, whether you're f- slave or free, you are free in Christ. Your freedom comes from Christ. The scripture says in John chapter 8, who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm telling you, whenever we take our place, when we realize that we are the elected officials of heaven, we take our place as representatives of the holy nation of God. We will be able to stand whatever nation they place us in. There, see, there's Christians in China, the holy nations in China, the holy nations in Iran. It's, listen to me, it's in England. It's, it's in, in, in Canada. You believe that? Listen to me, it's in... That was a joke. Uh, it's everywhere. And when the holy nation, it doesn't, we don't have to be the majority. We just have to be obedient to the king. And he'll call us to service and use us the way that he sees fit. Amen. Because this all rests on his shoulders. And we'll be able to declare whatever nation we are in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're the difference makers. But we've got to know who we are in Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.